Hey there, guys. It's Megan King, your good portion mama. I just wanted to give you a heads up and apologize in advance for the poor audio quality on today's episode. I don't know why, but for some reason, my microphone was not picking up the recording, and instead, the microphone in my computer was, which unfortunately means poor quality audio that sounds like I'm talking to you down the middle of a tunnel. Um, But I promise next week we'll get it together so that it sounds better. But there's still tons and tons of quality information in today's episode for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Have a great weekend. Welcome back to the Good Portion Mama podcast. I'm your host, Megan King, and I'm so excited you're here. In a world where busyness is celebrated and being overwhelmed is the motherhood norm, this hot mess mom is here to tell you there's joy and fulfillment through setting aside those typical mom expectations and instead building true, authentic connections with Christ, ourselves, and others. So throw those kids some fruit snacks, grab that cold cup of coffee, or that well-deserved glass of wine, And let's get ready for the good portion. Hey there, mamas. Welcome to episode seven of the good portion, mama. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm your host, Megan King. I'm so glad that you're here. I do want to encourage you to go back and listen to episodes one through six to catch up and really get an understanding of all five of the categories of connection that we are breaking down each week. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to find our online community for more tactical and tangible tips for building real, authentic connections, as well as keeping up on what's new with giveaways, episodes, and the like. Just go to Facebook groups, search for The Good Portion Mama, answer those three questions, and voila, you're in. All right, y'all, since last week's episode was a longer one, we are going to just jump right in this week. We're going to skip over our mompreneur biz connection and our reviews for the week Uh, but we'll have those back next week once we get up and going last week's episode was a long one this one's gonna be a long one as well i anticipate so i want to just jump right in and get things going so last week we talked about our family connection We started this connection category with what we were calling part one, where we focused on ways that you can make small changes to your everyday life and routines and thought processes to make more opportunities for yourself to connect with your kids. Now, those changes, whether small or big, will not only help you find time to make stronger connections with your kids, but will also create margin for a stronger connection with your spouse and others. So today we're going into part two of our family connection breakdown, and I gave you homework last week to write out your 10 life priorities and then compare those to your current to-do lists and calendar. So I'm just curious, what did that look like for you? Are you completely aligned already? Are you way off and looking into the distance thinking, what the heck am I doing? Or are you like most people and just kind of right smack dab in the middle? I want you to know those comparisons are not just a one-time thing, okay? You should be using those comparisons or that list every single time you think you're going to say yes to something. Asking, does this align with my ultimate priorities? And then if it doesn't, it doesn't get added to your list there is a way to kindly say no or walk away from that situation or that opportunity that presents itself. This week, we're diving into building a stronger and more meaningful connection with your spouse. Now, hear me out. 
I had a couple of people message me before we even launched this podcast and even some since then in regards to either not being a mom to like literal human babies or not being married or even in a serious relationship and asking if they might still find value in this podcast. So please know I've said it before. I'll say it again that while this podcast was created with the Christian mama in mind, all are welcome here and everyone will find things that fit in just how God wants them for you. Okay. So just know I'm writing this from and mostly for the perspective of a married mama, simply because that's where my expertise lies in. So if you're not married currently, some tips may differ slightly for now, but it can still be educational or helpful for either other relationships or friendships or future romantic relationships. Okay. Maybe you don't intend to get married. Maybe you're still waiting for God to bring along that person into your life even. Maybe you're in a marriage right now that feels less like a marriage and more like roommates. Maybe you're in a marriage that you think is going pretty darn well. Either way, we've got some good stuff for all of you to hear today and hopefully every week, but for every romantic relationship you may find yourself in now or in the future. And one more thing, while marriage is a blessing created by God for us, I think it's important to remember that the purpose behind marriage was to bring honor and glory to him. Okay. So keep in mind that God will bring to us in our lives, every single thing that we need him to bring in order for us to bring the ultimate glory to him. And if marriage is a way that in the end will bring the highest glory to him, he will provide the right person in his right timing. So If currently you're in that moment of your life right now and you're not married or you feel like you've been searching forever to find your one person, right, and you're struggling to understand why, I do want you to check out Psalm 62.5 as a reminder where it says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. So I promise you, if you can wait on the Lord and you can rest assured that you're only going to get his best, and to put it quite frankly, when it comes to marriage, isn't his best worth the wait, right? So if you're if you're listening to this episode thinking, I don't want to listen to this because I'm not married or I'm not even dating anybody, I don't want you to listen to this episode and uh, get disheartened. Okay, everything in his timing, his timing, not mine. Right. All right. So let's get started. How'd you like that catchy title, huh? Intimacy with your spouse in all the right places. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. You don't have to put earmuffs on the kids. We aren't venturing into a talk about human anatomy or getting it on in all the rooms of the house. We are talking about intimacy, but not the kind that you're probably thinking. These days, it's really common, I think, for people to hear the word intimacy and assume that we're talking about that hot and steamy three-letter word, right? But that kind of intimacy, while it is important in a very well-rounded, God-blessed marriage, and it's and it's essential for all that reproduction stuff, it really is only a small percentage of the amount of intimacy needed in a relationship if you're wanting to really have the ultimate marriage. Now, notice, I said ultimate and not perfect, Right. I'm not talking about those marriages you see on Pinterest, and I am certainly not claiming to have a perfect marriage myself. But what I am telling you is, when Jake and I decided to intentionally focus on the intimacy of our relationship outside of the bedroom, 
is when our relationship went from a good marriage to what I feel like is a ridiculously awesome marriage, okay? Does that mean we don't have struggles? No. Does that mean we have all the answers? (laughs) Big no, okay? Does that mean we have the perfect marriage? Absolutely not. But it is the perfect marriage for us, which leads me into another sort of disclaimer before we start talking about my marriage and my tips and stuff like that. I follow a lot of other podcasts, especially ones that are faith-based and by people that either I follow on Facebook or I've read books on that really help me out in either my self-growth or some other area of my life. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but I will point out that there is an author that had some books out that I did read and I really enjoyed and I learned a ton from. I also not only listened to her podcast, but also the joint podcast between her and her spouse. And on their joint podcast, they often gave tips and shared experiences from their own lives on how to grow yourselves and then how to grow in your marriage and parenting and life balancing and so on. And Recently, unfortunately, they announced their unexpected divorce. Now, let me just say the comments that I saw from people who were before devout followers of both the Facebook group and the podcast were extremely disheartening. They're talking about how they feel like they've been lied to for the last however many years they've been listening and that this couple's been faking it and blah, 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 blah. They've been listening or tuning in for so many years and there hasn't been any mention of a struggle in the episodes uh, that they engaged in or how they felt used because this couple spent so much time and made so much money giving tips on how to have, quote unquote, the perfect marriage with no mention of multiple years of therapy or thoughts of divorce. I just want to say I'm not here to shame those listeners or the author and her ex, but merely to give guidance and some advice here. So if you are so upset, not as a concerned listener who's sad for the situation that this couple is in and the fact that they are going through a divorce with four kids, but you feel more personally attacked or lied to, I want you to take a second to ask yourself this. Was I making this couple out to be an idol, right? So as your connection coach, I promise I'm only going to bring you strategies that I personally have used or tried and give you real feedback on what's worked, what hasn't, what I think may have been failures on my part or on my husband's part. But I just want you to know, I'm not going to sacrifice the privacy of my relationship with my husband and share things that don't further both yours and my relationship. So while you're going to find practical advice here, please know that the advice shared by me and also by my special guests that we have on the shows are going to be only the things that work or the things that we want to warn you to try to steer clear from because they didn't work for us or the things that we're currently working through. But they are not intended to give the illusion of a marriage with zero arguments, zero mistakes, zero struggles, or things that we aren't working through, okay? We are both fully aware that we are far from perfect and at no point want this show to become an idol for any of you. So take this information, use it as a support system or a tool, but use it alongside constantly being in God's word and prayerful direction from God himself. And I promise you, it's not going to steer you in the wrong way. Off my soapbox, uh, where was I? In the words of my pastor, I really should just stick to my notes. But 
that was something that came up a couple of weeks ago. And as I was writing this episode, it was in my mind and I didn't put it in my notes, but I feel like it's necessary to put that out there that while I am sharing these tips and tricks, I am by no means claiming to have the perfect marriage. Anyway, so intimacy outside of the bedroom, right? Intimacy outside of the bedroom is what builds and maximizes the friendship and love factor that is fundamental to creating and maintaining a long-lasting marriage that most couples, I would hope, long for, and quite honestly, that God intended in marriage. Now, I, I struggled deciding where I wanted to start in this episode because there are so many things that I could share with you, but... I don't want this episode to feel really fluffy, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a better term for that, but real fluffy, like a Pinterest pin, right? Like, I think it's obvious to say, oh, you should stare into each other's eyes, hold hands, give back massages, go on dates, do the three-letter word, right? But that's way easier said or pinned than done. So I think it's beneficial to start at the actual beginning, right? So in Genesis, God creates all these cool things, right? He's like, ooh, light, ooh, earth, ooh, waters, Thor. Wait, that's a different story. Man, right? (laughs) Uh, Then we all know what comes next, right? The Bible goes to say in Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then God creates birds and cats and water buffaloes and stuff, but he sees that none of those are comparable to Adam, right? So God puts Adam into a deep sleep, takes one of his ribs, closes up the wound, and makes woman out of Adam's bones. Now, I just want to throw this in there because I'm just that kind of person. Anyone else surprised at the fact that God knew he had to put Adam to sleep to create another human? I I love how people always joke, you know, if men were, if men were responsible for uh, giving birth, like the world's population would eventually just come to an end. Obviously, I don't believe that that's true completely, but I just think it's funny. Can I get an amen? No? Okay, whatever. Anyway, where was I? I want you to remember the term helper for now. Okay, so then let's skip over to Ephesians 5.22, where it reads, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So one of the first tips in today's show that I want to discuss is the subject of the helper and the head, okay? So in the beginning, when God creates woman, he calls her a helper. And then we read in Ephesians, we are to submit to our husbands as we do the Lord. And now this is a subject that can cause somewhat heated discussions for different groups of women in regards to the idea of submission in a marriage. So hear me out here, okay? I believe in most any successful relationship, there needs to be a leader, okay? Just like in a business environment, you have an appointed leader or a boss or a manager. And I hate I hate saying boss or manager because sometimes that has kind of a negative connotation if you've ever, ever had a poor boss or a poor manager, right? But anyway, every 
In most any successful business environment, you have an appointed leader that everything goes through, right? And ultimately, that person has the last say in whether or not a plan or an idea moves forward and goes into action. And I believe that a successful marriage needs the same. And I think that God thinks the same thing, okay? Now, submission in marriage, what does that mean? Does that mean I can only do things when my husband tells me I can? Does that mean he can do whatever he wants and I only do what he tells me? Does that mean he can treat me like he's my master? Absolutely not. I think it's important that if we're going to discuss the helper expectation of wives, we also need to make sure that we understand the head portion in just as much detail. So if we continue in Ephesians 5, where we left off on verse 25, it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, and then he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the wife is called to submit herself to the husband, which sounds like we're taking the brunt, right, as wives. But if you listen to what God commands of the husband, he's the one being held to a higher expectation. God calls the husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And I don't know if you heard, but Jesus literally laid down his own life on the cross for us, the church. So wives are called to submit to and respect the authority of their husbands as the head of the household. But husbands are expected to lead and take on the responsibility of leading in a way that is of the ultimate glorification of God. And I believe that if a husband is doing that, it's not just us submitting to them, but more of husbands and wives in a way submitting themselves to each other, sacrificing both personal preferences for the good of each other, but for the good of all of God's plan. Okay, so what does all that mean? Yeah, he has to love me, but I have to submit to his every request. No, that's not what this is saying. God is calling husbands and wives to represent or be a witness to others in the marriage of the church with Christ. I think my pastor said it best. Marriage done right puts Christ and the church on display. So your husband in his role is laying down his personal prerogatives or preferences for the good of your relationship, for the good of your family and for the good of representing and being a witness of God's calling on our lives through marriage, okay? And you, in turn, are submitting to your husband doing that same thing. So my first tip is sitting down and discussing this head and helper role in your relationship. We're going to have another episode later on down the road where we really dive in and break down what this looks like in our marriage, but you and your husband have to have a realistic and detailed discussion on your operations within your marriage. That everything, and when I say everything, I mean everything, should be a discussion between the two of you on how you run your household, 
how you run your marriage, how you'll make decisions, but ultimately the head of the house has the final say, but the head must have the best interest of the entire family involved at the heart of the discussion and decision and should be prayerfully obedient to God's direction when making those decisions, okay? Will your husband always be right? Probably not because we're always the right one, right? Just kidding. (laughs) Will he always be right? Probably not. But when I'm in a place where I don't think my husband is making the right choice, I don't turn around and tell him what he should do, but I simply offer my perspective, offer my suggestions, and I don't do that lightly, right? I pray about it. I ask God, you know, is this just me wanting to be in control? Is this just him wanting to be in control? What's the direction? But then I offer that advice. I offer that perspective. But ultimately, I let Jake make that decision for our family. Because God's direction in naming the husband as the head means that Jake or your husband is the one that will answer for those decisions ultimately when it really matters. Does that make sense? So just know this has to be a two-way street though. I know in submitting to my husband that in every single decision that he makes, he's laying down his own preferences down for the good of our entire family, even if it takes him a little bit of time to get on that right page. Okay. That tip was a little bit longer than the rest of these will be, but I feel like it's really important in setting the tone for decision-making in a marriage to make sure that you have that leader role really clearly defined in what that looks like and who it is, okay? So how does that relate to intimacy? Well, to really dig in and grow your intimacy, you have to be able to identify and understand and then also follow through in the roles that you play in your relationship. If you've got two people in a two-person relationship trying to run the show, guess what? That show ain't going to last long. It's going to get canceled real quick, like, okay? All right, moving on. Tip number two for building intimacy, shared expectations. One of the biggest pitfalls in failing marriages is unmet expectations. You hear it all the time, and if you don't, you're listening to the wrong podcast, but... Uh, Our expectations can either be a driving force for success or our Achilles heel. Why? Because nothing can take a wonderful moment and ruin it like unmet expectations. For example, I go and I pick up my Wendy's cup and I take a big drink out of the straw thinking I'm going to get a big juicy drink of my Sprite and find out that it's my kid's water. (laughs) Unmet expectations. I can drink water. Water doesn't taste bad, but water sure does taste pretty nasty when you're expecting it to be a sweet, bubbly Sprite, right? Okay, I have found that in a successful relationship, it is imperative that both parties share and identify what their expectations are and discuss a plan of action for what expectations are both realistic and necessary and which ones are really not, okay? For example, I would love to be able to have multiple nights a month where Jake and I can have a date night, but I have an expectation that he will make time at least once a month for it. And that expectation is not just because I want to go out on a date, but because I know that it's necessary for us to do that in order to have the long lasting relationship that we both long for, right? Another example, 
dinner times. My husband came from a family where his mom stayed home with the kids. Her responsibility was to care for the house, care for the kids, and she cooked dinner almost every night while his dad worked long days to provide for the family. So when Jake and I got married, Jake came into this marriage with that same expectation because that's what he grew up with, that the wife would do the same things. That I, those responsibilities were mine. But here's where the hang up to that expectation comes in. I was not a stay at home mom when we got married. I also worked 40 hours a week. So that expectation, while not a selfish one on his part, because it's simply how he was raised, was not fit for our lifestyle at the time, but was also not being met very often, which caused issues in my husband being able to have that non-sexual intimacy with me because he was constantly being let down by the unmet expectation of a wife who, well, first could cook because <laughs> I couldn't. I'm not a great cook now, but I'm way better than I was then. But he was constantly being let down by this expectation of a wife who would cook and would do it regularly. And he was he was upset with that because that was absolutely not what I was doing. That was that was not functional, right? When we finally sat down and discussed his expectation in that arena, we were able to come up with a solution that worked for everyone. We shared the cooking workload. We shared the household chores. And then when I became a work-from-home mom three years ago, I then took on more of the cooking and the cleaning responsibilities because I was working less hours and I was home more. I was more capable of getting those things done. So it's so much easier to build intimacy in a relationship when you know what expectations each of you is bringing to the table and you can map out you know, what's possible, what's not possible and do all of that ahead of time. So be sure to sit down with your spouse Share what your expectations are, share what your wants are and what your needs are in a relationship because all three of those things are very different things, expectation, wants, and needs, and how those things relate in every corner of your relationship. You need to talk about that in all different aspects of it, like work, raising kids, your social life, finances, and yes, in the bedroom. What are your needs in the bedroom? What are your expectations in the bedroom? And where do those kind of work together, right? All right, so moving on. Tip number three, have fun. I know this sounds silly, but I can't tell you how big of a difference having fun with your spouse in your relationship changes everything. Things could be going going so wrong, but if you are able to have fun with your spouse, you can turn any crappy situation into a good one. Now, when I say good, that doesn't mean everything goes your way, just less painful. I can't tell you how much I love spending time with Jake. Being intentional in scheduling, remember our last episode, has made it so much easier for us to create time for us to just hang out and have fun with each other. You know, we joke, we wrestle with clothes on. Told you I'm keeping it PG. Uh, <laughs> We do things together that helps the other one learn things that that the other one enjoys. So for example, anyone who knows me knows that I am not athletic anymore. <laughs> I used to be when I was younger, but after having children, uh, I just drink a lot more wine. But uh, my husband loves to golf. And for the longest time, Jake would go golfing with his friends or with family friends and would just and I would just simply stay home. But 
A few years ago, he convinced me to play in a tournament that a family friend puts on every year. And regardless of how awful I am at it, I have participated in this tournament every single year since because it's just so much fun, right? It's fun to be able to spend time together and I get to see him in his element doing something that he loves. And then he in turn has the opportunity to try to teach me. <laughs> Stop moving your feet, count off. Count out your swing, quit moving your hips. You know what I mean? <laughs> he gets to teach me something that I'm not good at, that he is good at. And it's 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 also fun to creep out my dad when Jake comes up behind me and gets to quote unquote help me practice my swing, right? <laughs> but but I get to see him in his element. I get to see the things that he enjoys doing. And then in turn, I'm getting to have fun with him because I know he's having fun doing something he loves to do. So uh, another example is inside jokes. Jake and I have a ton of inside jokes. Inside jokes are intimacy with others. So whether it's an inside joke with a friend or an inside joke with your spouse, it's an intimacy with others that only you know about, which makes it way even more fun. Uh, Jake and I have a ton of inside jokes. Like one right now, it's not even a joke, but our our two-year-old daughter is in that stage where she doesn't pronounce things correctly and it just some of them are dumb but some of them are really funny and so when she responds to things and tries to say okay it comes out okay so we think it's the cutest thing ever but when we're texting about dinner plans or I'm telling him he needs to not work late tonight and come home because I need help with something or we're in a heated discussion about how to move forward with the washing machine that keeps making our clothes stink like mildew. Or he, we're, we're out to dinner and uh, we're talking and he responds to me with, okay, if either via text or verbally. It just lightens the mood and it makes me smile because I know that if anybody else around us is hearing it, they have no idea what the heck is happening and it's our own little fun thing, right? Fun in a relationship is what keeps the friendship side of your relationship alive. And if your spouse is not your best friend, I think it's pretty safe to say that you need to take some time to be intentional about adding more fun into your relationship. Part of intimacy in a relationship is the longing to be with one another. And if you're not, if you're not longing to be with somebody, it's because you're not having fun. Okay, so you have to have that fun factor in your relationship. Saying that, talking about longing to be around one another, that moves us on into tip number four, which is getting excited to be around them and showing it. I can't tell you how many times I have been sitting at home with my husband three rooms away and then he walks into the room and it just makes me smile, right? Not because he looks weird, which sometimes he does, but just because I'm genuinely happy to be around him. I have started also trying to make it a habit that when Jake comes home from work, the kids and I, or the kids or I, greet him and ask him how his day was. And I, sometimes by force, give him a big hug and or a kiss because I'm just happy he's home. Sometimes it's simply just because I need to tag out and get away from those terrorist kids. But mostly it's just because it feels more complete when he's here. I genuinely just feel better when I'm around him. And that isn't something that is new or is forced. 
I genuinely do and always have loved being around him. But what is different is I am more active in showing it and letting him know that I enjoy being around him, that I long to be around him. And on the flip side, there are times where we'll be laying in bed watching a show or just playing on our phones a foot away from each other. And I'll look over and see that he's staring at me like a creeper. And when I ask, you know, what's up? His response is, I'm just looking at you. And then he smiles like an even bigger creeper. <laughs> I love it when he does that. And and it's it's so small, but I just knowing that the sheer fact of being near each other makes him happy or him being able to just look at me and it makes him happy or makes him smile makes me happy and makes me want to be with him even more. So it's just this ongoing thing of not just wanting to be around each other, but sharing that gift with them, letting them know that you want to be around them and letting it be known when it's happening. Okay. The more I'm around them, the more I want to be around them. And I feel like the feelings are mutual. So our last tip for today is intimacy in the bedroom is necessary. Now, I told you I'm going to keep it PG in this episode. I'm not giving you tips and tricks on how to do that in the bedroom, but I just want to be clear. Intimacy in the bedroom is a gift from God for your marriage. We talked about expectations up above. And I think it's imperative to make sure that you guys are both very clear in what your wants and your needs and your expectations in the bedroom are, and that you are both making, I don't want to say sacrifices because that sounds horrible to say when you're talking about intimacy in the bedroom, but you are both putting forth the effort to fulfill those needs and trying to fulfill within reason the wants of your spouse in the bedroom, right? This is a gift from God. It's meant to bring you together and to build connection with your spouse. That is in and of itself, one of the key factors in what makes a marriage different than a friendship, right? I can have a friendship where we have a connection spiritually and mentally and emotionally with my best friend, but The intimacy side of it in the bedroom is one thing that I don't have with my friends or my coworkers, right? Like this is something specific, specifically crafted by God for your marriage and you have to be actively pursuing it, okay? I can tell you those couples that are really, really, really living out their ultimate ideal marriage are actively pursuing intimacy in the bedroom. And and if you want to have that kind of marriage, you have to be doing that same thing, okay? That's all I'm gonna say about that tip right there. We will at some point dive into that kind of an episode, but that's an episode for a different day. Today, we're not doing the earmuffs. So, I'm going to bring today's episode down in for a landing because we are over our time limit for today. Just take a quick minute to recap exactly what it is that we've talked about today. We talked about setting expectations, letting your partner know what it is your expectations are, what your wants and your needs are. We talked about head of household and helper of the household and how that kind of works together. We talked about having fun with your partner. We talked about 
making sure you're not just excited to be around them, but letting them know how excited you are to be with them and around them. And then always keeping it spicy in the intimacy in the bedroom. So uh, homework for today. I'm not really going to give you guys any new homework. What I do want you to do is if up to this point you have not done your good portion profile quiz, please make sure that you click the link in our show notes and get that done. Um, But go back on the last seven episodes and complete all of the homework for those so that we're caught up. And then take the time to sit down with your spouse and go through your expectations and your wants and your needs. Thank you so much for being with us today. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. As always, lots and lots of love and cheers. Hey there, mama. One last thing before you go. If you haven't done so already, would you pause this episode and go out to iTunes and click that subscribe button and leave a written review? We love it when people leave reviews for us and let us know how we're doing with the show. It also helps us get seen by other Christian mamas around the world. Thanks so much for being with us. Bye-bye.